Welcome back to another episode of One Fry Short. Today is a very exciting day because we have our first guest ever. She is someone I know well. In fact, I've known her her whole life. Her name is Jordan White, and she's my sister. (laughs) And I wanted to bring her on today because... She has recently started going to therapy very regularly in New York City, and she has learned a lot of valuable lessons through her life in the big city and through talking through her problems with her therapist. Welcome to One Fry Short, you know, of a happy meal. I'm Jamie Spielmaker. And I'm Rachel Wynn. We're just two women having candid and empathetic conversations about mental health and how we can support each other. We are not experts. Not even close. But if you want to feel less alone in your neuroses, you've come to the right place. So before we get into our conversation today, Jordan. What it do? (laughs) Will you tell us just who you are, where you live, what you do? So, hi everyone. I'm Jordan. I'm Jamie's little sister. I live in New York. I work in real estate and I have been seeing a therapist since, oh geez, I think I've been seeing her for three or four months now. Once a week. Proud to say it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I moved to New York about five years ago. Oh and I was God, like, have you been there for five years? It's like almost five years, yeah. That's so crazy. It's crazy. And before that, before you're in real estate. Before I was in real estate, I was a flight attendant. I was based out of New York and I worked for um, United Airlines and I did that for two and a half years. And then COVID happened and I switched industries completely went into the real estate industry, and I've been working there ever since. Now, you had seen a therapist before, like a couple maybe in college, right? Yeah, yeah I saw it. But th- short time. Yeah, I saw a therapist in college, and that was when I was like getting rejected by every single job, and I was like, am I stupid? <laughs> <laughs> and the New York life is like hard. It's hard. hard as, it's hard as fuck. It's hard to live there. It's so hard. Like nothing is easy. Nothing is convenient. Mm-hmm. I live in a fifth a fifth floor walk up. So even just getting to my apartment up the stairs is, you know, a triathlon. So when did you start going to therapy? So I started going to therapy, I think maybe three months ago. Yeah, I go once a week. Is it an hour? Mm-hmm. And like, so why did you, why did you want to start going to therapy? I wanted to start going because I knew I needed to go. I knew that I had to deal with some things that I, you know, that was critical that I dealt with in my early 20s. And I knew I needed to address some things. Like what? Just being single in New York, past relationships, switching careers, dealing with all of that. So, you know, I just, I noticed, I noticed a shift in my energy and I knew that therapy would help me get back to my normal self. Do you think that you were more anxious or depressed or what was it? What was your current state? 
I feel like I was just, I was really anxious. I was, you know, a little bit depressed. And I think, you know, I was kind of, you know, I would go out a lot. I would drink a lot. I would party a lot. I just, I needed to, I needed to deal with some things because I feel like I was coping with a lot of my issues with, with bad coping mechanisms instead of just dealing with it. And I knew that I needed to address that head on. Yeah. As we all do. Mm -hmm. So the therapy that I do with my therapist is called CPT and it's basically a trauma therapy to deal with, to get over some of the traumas that you experienced in life and to create new versions. So it basically breaks it down into like interactive modules. So like every time I go to therapy, I have worksheets. So I take it home and I like do these really great worksheets every week. And like what do the worksheets help you do? Basically, it breaks down all of your twisted beliefs about yourself and others and the world. Mm. And then it like it's nice because it really there's like it's it's just logical. It's like, why do you think this way? Okay, that's not logical. This is logical. So it really breaks down all of these like preconceived notions that you have about yourself and others. What are some quote unquote twisted beliefs that you've had about yourself? One, men are bad. (laughs) That's like one of the main ones that I deal with. And then I've always felt I've always dealt with like things like, you know, not feeling pretty enough or not feeling like smart enough. So I, I have to break down those beliefs and it really, really helps you just, you know, see things for what they really are rather than what you've grown accustomed to for years. Yeah. I think like <laughs> not feeling like enough in New York is probably a very common feeling. Every day. Because there's always going to be someone co- like there's always going to be someone prettier than you or funnier than you or like it's just it's a constant battle of like comparing yourself to others. So that's something that I also focus on in therapy a lot because it's kind of brutal. It's mm-hmm. brutal up there a lot mm-hmm. of the time. And do you think, like, what are your revelations that you've had in therapy? Can you share some of those? I feel like one of the main things that I've learned in therapy is you can have one issue that you think is kind of plaguing you and like ruining your life. And you think it's this one thing. And then you realize that it's actually this bigger thing. So like when I first went into therapy, I was like, I feel like I'm not over my ex from years ago. Like, and we had this like traumatic, like, crazy relationship and I feel like I never got over it and I feel like that was what I was battling but really when I talked it through I was battling a much larger issue which was what self-esteem yeah because self-esteem is interesting because it's not related to confidence like confidence is something that a facade that you kind of give to the world. Like you could be really, really confident. You could be the conf- conf- most confident person in the room, but it doesn't necessarily mean that you have like a really high self-esteem. Right. That's something that I talk about. This is actually my last module in CBT therapy, which is self-esteem. And it's been the hardest module that I've worked on. Where do you think self-esteem comes from? Definitely within. It's like, cause you can act like you have self-esteem, but you really Self-esteem comes from like just 
your self-worth and Mm -hmm. what you think of yourself Mm -hmm. and how highly you think of yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like a lifelong process. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like for me, like I, my self-esteem is very tied to my professional life. Mm -hmm. Like if I'm not happy in my professional life or if I'm not happy with a project I'm working on or if I feel like I'm not excelling, I feel really badly. Yeah. I think that's probably true for most people because a lot of people tie their self-esteem to their job. Yeah. Do you? Not anymore. That was another thing that I worked through because I was tying my entire existence and like who I am as a person to my one job, my career. But most people do that in New York. A lot of people do that. Yeah. And I mean, not just New York, like everywhere. I mean, I think like women especially have this added pressure to succeed and excel. And I think our professional lives as women become more a part of our identity than maybe men. Mm -hmm. I've noticed just in my own husband, him, he can compartmentalize his work performance and he can kind of like box that part of his life up. And for me, it's like, yeah, he's always been like that. Yeah. For me, it's like (laughs) we associate it too much. Yeah, it like, we are. it like lives in my veins. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I think that's really true in New York too. There's like this this constant pressure to like be, you know, excelling in your job. All the time. Getting promoted constantly. Yeah. Like it's just this crazy amount of pressure. Right. That just, yeah, it and gets you, old. Yeah, and then you add the pressure of dating. Of dating. Dating there is a shit show. And... That's that's another reason why I'm like, I, I don't want to say burnt out on New York, but there are there are moments when I'm like, damn, is this shit even worth it? Do you feel like it's too like surfacy? Yeah. Like dating is like so dating is surfacy. And every the problem with New York is everybody has this crazy ego. Mm-hmm. Everybody is no one will make the first move. No one will. You know, everyone is just so full of themselves that they don't want to like be vulnerable with anybody because mm-hmm. they're too afraid and they just want to like play these toxic games because they think it's like funny. I don't know. I feel like when I first moved to New York, I was kind of in that mindset where I was like, it's cool to be a toxic girl. <laughs> and now it's like, no, I'm 27. It's not cool. It's, you know, we have to like work on our issues and look ourselves in the mirror at some point in our life. Speaking of that, like, do you have lots of friends that go to therapy or is it largely no? I have my work. So I have my, the people that I work with, one of my close friends that, you know, I worked with closely at my job. She kind of inspired me to go to therapy and she's like two years younger than me. I was like, I need to get on the saddle and like figure Mm -hmm. this out. Mm -hmm. And then other than that, I don't have a, like, no, not really. A few of my friends go to therapy, but not all of them. Mm -hmm. I know a lot of them want to go. Do you think younger people like yourself, do you think it's more of a, they feel like there's a connotation associated with it? Or do you think it's like access? Like it's expensive. I think there's a connotation associated. I think people like, don't want to deal with the fact that they have 
trauma from their childhood that they need to address. And they know that it's piling up and they know that it's going to get worse, but they don't want to dig into the deep stuff. Well, it's hard to talk about stuff that maybe is like buried in your subconscious from when you were a kid mm-hmm. or even just a couple of years ago, you know, that you just push down and push down and push down. Until yeah. You're like, until you're like, well, what I liked, the quote that I always like is hurt people, hurt people. I think that's so true mm-hmm. because when you don't deal with things, it just kind of resonates within you. And then you kind of come off as someone who is hurt which is how you react to a lot of people and things. I think that soup, like when you're super reactive about something, it's because it's, yeah, it, it matters to you. It's deep to you. It's triggering. It's personal. Yeah. And but so, I think, I think that therapy is, I think I told you a couple of weeks ago, it's, I think it's a selfless thing to do. I think you want to be a better person to other people, to your family, to your loved one, the, to your loved ones, to your friends. Like, you want to be the best, the best version of yourself for you and for other people. Mm-hmm. And I think that's that's really important. Yeah. And I think the sooner that you realize that that's what therapy is going to do for you, the more inclined you are to invest in it. Yeah. Because everyone is always going to have complex relationships with their family and their friends. Right. No matter who you are. No matter who you are. Um, I mean, I... St- yeah. When did you start going to therapy? intentionally like with real like intention a year after I met Connor so you were 27 27 yeah I feel like 27 is yeah 26 27 yeah if you're younger kudos to you yeah I mean like you said it started as one thing and really it was about something much deeper Mm -hmm. I also had an unhealthy relationship that I had never really unpacked unpacked and that yeah and it had its you know tentacles in me and yeah I mean it's and then and then like inevitably when you go to therapy especially if you're talking about any kind of romantic relationship you have to go back to like where it all started Mm -hmm. (laughs) which like for us like for me and you you know our parents got divorced yeah yeah I think there were a lot of different things that we had learned through osmosis of observing our own parents. Yeah. And I think that like for a long time, we didn't have a really, for me at least, I didn't have a firm understanding of what like love was. Yeah. Romantic no, love. No, I talk about that in my therapy too. I, we actually discuss that Like love is not this like, volcanic, hot, passionate, passionate, boom, boom. Love is like like, a movie. No, no. no. Love is like extreme compassion and consistency and consistency. Consistency. Yeah. And showing up. Mm hmm. And like when I got married, like when I learned that, you know, and I got married, like, you know, it was a hard adjustment for me because I had never seen really you know, like a successful relationship in my immediate life. You yeah. know, I'd ha- I had had like extended family members who had successful marriages, mm-hmm. but I didn't have really anything to like, I, did- I didn't know what it was. And so, so you had to create it. Yeah. And I mistaked love for a lot of different things. Mm-hmm. 
But I feel like you realized once, well, at least once Connor came into your life, you knew that that this was right. Yeah, no, and it and it it took a lot of therapy for me to get there. Mm-hmm. It took a lot of therapy for me not to self sabotage the relationship. Yep. I yep. Um, I'm a self sabotager to my core. So are you. So am I. You're ready to run at any moment. You are runaway bride, literally. That's what my, I think it was like the second session in therapy and she was like, cause it's either it's fight, flight or freeze. And she's like, you're definitely flight. (laughs) You are so, yeah. Just leave. Yeah. Which is just just so interesting to me because you were a literal flight attendant. I know. And you could bounce the fuck out at any moment's notice. I know. I know. I feel like that's like something that I also... You're dealing with. I'm dealing with. Like, because I'm like, my job is I'm staying put. Like, I'm staying put in one city, one place. Right. One thing. And I'm like, oh, my God. Yeah. And, you know. Restless and, like, you want to escape. Yes. Like, the, 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 like, wanting to escape life is so real. That's why I have issues. That's why I'm bad with relations. Or not, I don't want to say I'm bad with relationships. I just want to say, like, historically I've been bad with relationships because I'm always one foot in one foot out something's not quite right and I don't want to be suffocated right I hate being suffocated but you're also we've talked about this before but like you are when you start dating someone or talking to someone (laughs) you are like on high alert for everything that could potentially be wrong (laughs) I do it too I still do it and I'm married Mm -hmm. I'm like you know, he really doesn't know how to do the bed right. <laughs> he doesn't get it. High alert. No, I am. And like, Anything. I think you have to be hyper vigilant, especially because you had like a relationship that wasn't necessarily successful. Yeah. And I think it traumatized you. So I'm just, I'm very overcautious. Yeah. With certain things that one really shouldn't be that cautious about, but I'm just, I'm quick to throw in the towel. Yeah. And but I honestly, yeah, and like I think that worked in your favor. Oh yeah, for your previous relationship. Because when you're in like a, not to like you know coin it, but when you're in like an abusive relationship, like it's hard to get out of that shit. It is. Mm -hmm. It's It's really hard. Very very hard. The push and the the pull, whatever the case may be, it just gets like this crazy cycle. Yep, and then you. It's just, you're like caught in this web. Mm-hmm. And then even when you get out of the web, like sometimes you go back and it's, it's, it's crazy. You like become this person that you're like, who is she? Addicted to the drama. Yeah. Addicted to the drama. I remember me telling, I had sort of an emotionally abusive relationship too. And I remember telling one of my friends about it. <laughs> and she was like, I feel like you're talking about someone else. And for some reason, when she said that to me, I was like, right. That's what it takes when someone's like, like you, you don't, this isn't a good look on you. Yeah. Like you had a moment with, with Maddie. Maddie. Yeah. Who said what to you. Maddie is my best friend from um, like since we were 12. And what did she say to you? What did she was like, it was pretty early on in the relationship. It was like a couple months and the relationship didn't last, but like six months to begin with. So Don't ever feel like just because you have trauma in a short relationship that it's not valid. Just throwing that out there because that is very valid. Um, But she goes, I think it was like two months in and she was like, you know, this is just going to get worse. 
She's like, and I'm not going to tell you, you know, what to do, but I've seen this happen with other friends and this is gonna, this, this is just going to keep getting worse. It just sometimes it takes that like radical honesty from a friend for you to like sort of be like, right. Yeah. And you are going to make your own. And I still made my own decisions, but I, that was something that always like stayed in my, you know, on your the psyche. forefront of my mind. Yeah. And, and I knew she was right. And you eventually ended things with this person. Thank God. Yes. And you said something to me when we were in New York that I thought was really interesting. You said, heartbreak is so good for you. Oh, my God. Yeah. Can you talk about that? Yes. I feel like heartbreak is so good for anyone because it takes you down to such a low point of yourself. (laughs) Taking it down to the studs. (laughs) You're just taking it down to the studs. And then you have to build your your life back up from ground zero. You have to build yourself back up and your your confidence and who you are as a person and and not let this one person change everything about you. Mm. And then you do. And you do. And you are a better person because of it. Mm -hmm. And and something that I learned in therapy because I think it's important because – when relationships end, we have we have this thing where we beat ourselves up about it yeah. for months. And we're like, well, I wanted that. I asked for that. Like, we do this crazy thing to ourselves. I think the beauty of life is like letting yourself be open to other people, even if it doesn't end up great, even if it ends up kind of bad. At least you were vulnerable with another person and yeah. you tried yeah. to make something work with somebody. But a lot of people, I think, are really fearful of heartbreak. I think we are very quick nowadays to cut people off in our lives because they Mm -hmm. don't fulfill everything that we need in our lives. So like if you feel like you are just going out with this person and you can't tell them things or you can't trust them with everything, they're not a good friend to you. But I think how my therapist, um, I thought this was interesting because she drew this wheel and it was like a wheel of trust and there's different sectors of trust. So there's like trust that you can, you know, trust them going out, trust them with your secrets, trust them with relationship advice, trust them with, there's so many different things. And I think we put a lot of our friends in this, this wheel and we feel like we have to trust them with every single thing, but really you can just have friends that you trust with certain things and they're still good friends. Mm-hmm. That was something I, I thought that was a good epiphany. You can't expect... <laughs> Not even when you're married. Yeah. You can't expect like your husband or your spouse or whomever, your partner. To be perfect at everything. No, and to like fulfill every single need that you have. Yeah. Which is why the pandemic was so stressful, I think, on relationships because like that's all you sort of had was like this one person and you're expecting them to like wipe every tear that falls. There's there's an amazing Esther Perel quote Mm -hmm. that I am obsessed with. Mm Mm-hmm. And I think it's relevant to friendships too. I'm going to read it. I have it saved in my notes because I think it's so great. I think that definition today of love, you are my everything, where you really see it, this complete exaltation is in wedding vows. Mm -hmm. Have you ever noticed? I mean, it's I will wipe every tear that streams down your face before you even notice it's going down. I think it's a real I think a realistic vow is I will fuck up on a regular basis. I will fuck up on a regular basis and on occasion I'll admit it. Exactly. <laughs> that is so true. <laughs> like I think that is that is such a good thing. Like I love that. Like not even friendships, you know, relationships 
you know, they say you're only as good as the quality of your relationships, but like we put so much pressure on them to be perfect. To be perfect. Even friendships too. Yeah, exactly. Like people, you know, it's people are disappointing. Yes. Self included. Yes. <laughs> I agree with that. And we're all complex and like you know, we say stupid shit and we do stupid stuff and like we don't I mean, we're it's like part of being it's the human experience. Yeah. Another thing that I have been learning, relearning actually, is I think we identified this pretty like quickly on because when you first start going to therapy, you'll usually go through this thing called stuck points where you kind of you write a bit about something and then your therapist reads it aloud and then she can identify a lot of the things that you're stuck on in life, which mm. she calls stuck points. Mm. A lot of my stuck points were related to other people's opinions of me. Mm. Yeah. Like, and slowly throughout therapy, we then realized that I cared more about others, other people's opinions of me than I cared about my my opinion of myself. Which is essentially self-esteem. It's, yes, it's completely counterproductive. My first thought process sometimes is, well, what will other people think what will they think what will they think yeah and who is it's they rough. anyway exactly exactly <laughs> like your no friends one. from high school or like it's so you know, bizarre yeah the only person you should you know it, that matters is you and right. what you want and what you think of yourself and i think i'll, I'll take it one step further if you live by what society expects of you you end up somewhere where you don't recognize yourself. Exactly. Oh my God, that's so true. I have never really. <laughs> I feel like, yeah, I don't know that you've, I don't I'm, think you have that same issue. There, there's, so there's, there, there's this person who writes this newsletter. Her name's Leslie Stevens. She writes this newsletter on Substack called Morning Person. Rachel introduced me to her. And she has recently sort of, uh, unraveled her life as she had known it up until this point. And she talks about how she learned in this book called Quarter Life mm -hmm. that there are people who are stability seekers and people who are meaning seekers. Oh, yeah. I have been a meaning seeker my mm -hmm. entire, mostly my entire life. I was obsessed with trying to be popular in high school and in college and that was just very temporary and fleeting. And then, but once I had graduated college, you had I, this crazy ambition. Yeah. And I was just obsessed with meaning, like so yeah. obsessed. I'm still obsessed with meaning to, to a In point, a good way. But to a point that it, it like really makes my compulsions and obsessions like very real to me. Um, the very active imagination. And I think like the stability part of me it like hangs on for dear life. It's like my, mm -hmm. like my meaning self is always trying to talk my stability self out of stability. Yeah. But, the, but, the, but that what you have to master is a combination of the two. Exactly. And that's hard. Yeah. I think you're a meaning person. I'm definitely a meaning person. You don't stability, give a fuck about stability. Not so much. No. I mean, like you were living by the seat of your pants for years, like living in a crash pad with multiple flight attendants and like in one room didn't unbothered unbothered 
It's like sleeping on two hours of, like living on two hours of sleep, jetting off to Austria, going to Germany for Oktoberfest, going to Paris and buying Louboutins or Louboutins. Louboutins. <laughs> Louboutins. <laughs> like you were like, and I remember thinking like, God damn it. I wish I could be that way, but I'm not. Yeah. Because I have a stronger stability piece, I think. Yes. And I think I, I, I think the stability piece has come out a little more in me. Really? With age. Yeah. Because when I was a flight attendant, I was 23, 24. Yeah. 20, you know, I was just, you know. Young, yeah. Reckless. Yeah, reckless. Young and reckless. A lot of people don't know where to start when finding a therapist in general, but maybe especially in New York. And for example, for me, I knew I wanted a therapist for months, for months. And I was just, I, I don't know what I was waiting on specifically there wasn't really a moment where I was like god damn <laughs> I mean like I you know I think it was an accumulation of things like I was just kind of ignoring a lot of my issues and I would just you know go out for the weekend on a bender and go to clubs go to bars and drink it all down and be hungover and have like a debilitating anxiety the next day and was like okay Let's let's address. Yeah. Let's address some of these things instead yeah. of just burying them and you know, gin and tonics and <laughs> whatever, <laughs> whatever else everyone drinks. So I asked my sister cuz I knew she had a good uh, So my sister is 6 years older than me and a lot of her friends in New York you can call me Jamie. <laughs> okay. So Jamie is 6 years older than me and she has a lot of friends in New York that are more into therapy than I think my friend group is just the age group. And I was like, I need you to, to post something on Instagram for me and, and see what, what happens. And I think I might've posted something on my close friends, but we actually, one of our mutual friends connected me to my current therapist mm -hmm. and that was it. Yeah. I think, and one of my friends connected me to the therapist that I saw for years yeah, they, they ha I would recommend like, I mean, finding a good therapist is really hard. You got to date. You got to date a little bit like, yeah. to find a good therapist. Luckily, I didn't have to date. But or, you had seen other therapists in your past that yeah. were fine. They were fine. But you weren't seeing them regularly enough to, I think, make a big difference in your no. life like you're doing right now. Mm -hmm. Um, I think starting with a trusted friend who maybe you have are like, you know, able to have like open conversations with because not everybody is willing to talk about this stuff. No. It's like very uncomfortable for a it's lot of people. It's very taboo. It's still taboo. And I feel like more people are opening up about it, but mm -hmm. it's still mm -hmm. kind of like, mm -hmm. especially in New York. Right. I know I keep reiterating that, but especially in my age range. Well, I think it's just like, it feels like you had talked about imposter syndrome. And everyone deals with that. So, so can many you of my friends can deal you just with that. Like, talk about imposter syndrome and how it like relates to your life. Of, of course, it's so funny. The other day, I was like walking home, I think, and I was like uh, walking next to this girl. She was on the phone with somebody, and she was like, "I just I deal with imposter syndrome every day." I'm like, "Oh my god, this is like a plague. Everyone deals with this shit up here." I deal with it because I think I've always dealt with it a little bit in my life since I was in high school. Yeah. Yeah. I always felt like I wasn't like in college. One of I went to therapy in college because I was like, I think I'm stupid. Yeah, I remember. 
Like I I thought people did not take me seriously. Yeah. I felt that deep in my bones. I was a dancer. I was like, I wore, you know, skimpy little outfits on a football. I I just think a lot of people have always kind of associated me with like just being this like floozy, floozy like cheerleader. Yeah. Or like it's hard to to talk about. I feel like no one really actually talks about this. Yeah. Because I'll go into a bar. Uh Uh-huh. And like the first thing that comes out of a man's mouth to me is like, so what color are your underwear? (laughs) Are you fucking serious? You know what I mean? It's just like every single time, like I feel like men especially are just so quick to objectify you. To objectify me. And you're like so fatigued by it. And I'm just like, fuck you. Yeah. Fuck off. Yeah. No one's asking me what color my panties are. Okay. (laughs) Like, let's just be honest. (laughs) Um, that's hard. So I think, so you're battling, like you're trying to be taken seriously in New York. And then I dealt with it a little bit after I switched careers, after I was a flight attendant, went to the real estate industry and was very successful in that. But I have, have felt it. Like I've always been like, am I, am I supposed to be here? Mm -hmm. Is this right? You know, and I think everybody kind of deals with that at some point. Yeah. Especially in like corporate jobs. I think that's a big thing right now. And women. And women. Like trying to make, you know, trying to get some respect in in this world that's still dominated by white males. Because <laughs> like, I don't know that, I mean... It's like that meme that's like, oh, to have a confidence of a mid-level manager of a white male. You know what I mean? Right. Like, it's like, you don't usually see men struggling with imposter syndrome. It's no, because usually- they just have to lift a finger and they'll be the CEO. Right. And that's it. Whereas like women, and I think like this is a whole other conversation that could be, I mean, whatever, but I think it's especially prevalent in women and young women who are trying to figure out their place in the world and are constantly questioning if that place is the right place. Yeah. So an upper for me, I think right now would be I started taking Pilates classes and I've always I've always liked Pilates. I've been a dance for a while and I just got my certification to teach Pilates. That's and I'm awesome. really excited about it. Yeah. I think it's something that is at least going to Give me something to focus on other than where the fuck is my life going to go? What is the meaning of my life? Like, right. I feel like I, I, I'm too much. I go down that rabbit hole too often. Yeah. I need to lighten up mm-hmm. and, and focus on mm-hmm. some things that I just find fun and yeah. enjoy. Adult hobbies are so important. Yep. Yep. My upper is. <laughs> my upper is uh, my aunt came and dropped off a bunch of my old my grandmother's old china and I had nowhere to put it. So we went to this used furniture warehouse mm. near the airport in Atlanta and I picked up this like mid-century modern cabinet and it's so cool and I just love it. It's so cute. <laughs> um, I know that sounds like super materialistic but it's giving me like a lot of like... No, it's a used piece of furniture. It's, it's cute. Yeah. You repurpose something. Most of the... Most of the shit in my house is old. It's it's been reused, repurposed, etc. And I don't know. I just get a lot of joy out of that reinvention, even if it's just furniture. Mm-hmm. 
And uh, yeah, me and Connor moved it in while Jamie sat and watched. Yep, mm-hmm, because <laughs> I am a useless human. I'm a, you, uh, I have no, I have zero muscles, no core. Uh, um, Jordan, thank you so much for being here, for sharing your insights that you've learned in therapy, for being so vulnerable. It's really hard, especially to people you don't know in the ether. Mm-hmm. I think you're going to help a lot of people realize that they're not alone in their they're not alone. imposter not. syndrome yes. journey, their mental health journey. Um, and that it's okay to, to, to want some, to want some help. It's okay it's to want totally help. It's totally okay. Yeah. And it's okay to go get it. Congrats. You made it to the end of our show. If you liked it, please share it with your friends and leave a review. If you didn't like it, don't worry about it. It will only cause us to spiral. We also want to reiterate that we are not experts, but please do call or text the people at the new mental health hotline at 988 because they are. Join in on the conversation on our Substack page at One Fry Short Pod. See you there.